Welcome to the Genuine Gals Podcast, where we talk about real shit in a fun way. Just two gal pals talking about life like we're out to lunch. Let's get into it. All right, welcome to this week's episode, y'all. We're going to get into how to be genuinely happy for someone else's news or accomplishments. We think it's really, really important that we self-check on, is this envy or am I actually proud of my friend? Am I excited? Am I elated? What are the emotions related to that? So maybe it's not so much a how-to, but more so looking at it and just recognizing and shifting. So let's get into it. Genuine happiness for someone else. I, you know, when I think about this, I, if I'm being honest, there are times where I am genuinely happy for people, obviously. Right. But I do think that there are times when I'm struggling with something. My, my first reaction is kind of of maybe a balance of, I'm happy for them. I really am. But also like, why not me? Why them over me? And I want to understand the why, like getting into that. And you can't always voice that with friends or loved ones. Uh, There's Mm. so much of it that I think is shameful. I think in our society of a little bit that's envy, right? Like I'm pretty much defining envy, but especially when I've been working so hard towards something, I'm spending every waking minute doing this. I feel like, right. And then this person just, it plops in their lap and it's like, why, 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 why are they the chosen one in that sector? And why not me? Maybe I need to try less. Maybe I need to not focus on it so much, but at the end of the day, they are not on parallel scopes or playing fields or anything like they are not running a course together. They're two, I guess, intersecting. Maybe they are running parallel in the sense that like, they are not relational. Someone else's success is not relational to my success. I have control and I'm the maker of my own happiness. Right. And just because someone else gets a new job and I don't, The only time when I can see that maybe being an intersection would be if it's a colleague and you're maybe up for the same job, right? So you're in competition. The other person gets it. You want to be happy for them, but you're like, why didn't they choose me? That I can see is like, Mm. I can be genuinely envious of that and wanting to really understand and not, those are crossing paths of, of intersection and being able to influence each other, right? But if it's just someone, an outlier, they can be in another state. Um, They could be in a completely different industry or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that still happens. And you're like, well, why not me? And you have to realize, I think I always have to come to the conclusion of like, that doesn't matter. Like they are on their own journey. I'm on my own journey and we're going at this together. I have to be genuinely happy for them. I say have to, because there's no power or no room and what we've got going on to hold that kind of that kind of emotion or that kind of thought process like it there there's no purpose for it i do think that there might be a purpose for it i mean otherwise why would we why would people feel that way 
Yeah, I guess it could be a driver, like a motivator. Yeah. Because envy is a natural human emotion, right? And it's one of the seven deadly sins. And there's also that saying, comparison is a thief of joy. I feel like themes about envy have kind of, I've been exposed to briefly, but this is the first time I've actually struggled with, do I feel envy when Mm. people succeed? Because I don't, I think the only time I can actually remember feeling envious was when I found out that I would never be as fast or as strong as my brothers because Mm -hmm. I was a girl. (laughs) But other than that, like, especially with other women, I, there's something about women that I work with or women that I work for when they achieve something that makes me feel like I'm more secure because mm-hmm. I know them and their success could benefit me as long as they're not in a sabotaging mindset. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think, have you ever experienced a time where you're going after something and someone else gets it and you don't like, I, I think I experienced this with trying to get pregnant all the time. It's like, wow that person's bringing life into this world and it came so easy to them. That sounds great. I'm envious of that, but like, also I'm happy they're having a baby, but I'm envious of the fact that it came so easy. But at the same time, sometimes I don't know the full story. It could be that it was hard and difficult and, or maybe it was an oopsie, you know, like there's so many things. I think there's a difference between seeing it on social media and someone personally telling you their story, right. Or like having a close friend tell you what's going on. Like, if it's close friend, usually I'm, I know the situation or whatever. And I think that there's so much more behind it, which is where social media kind of kicks you in the butt because I feel like all I see on my feed lately is people having babies. And I'm like, great. Everyone except me can have children right now. Like that doesn't feel great. And like, sometimes it kicks me when I'm low. And then other times I'm like, I'm on my own journey and I'm so happy for them because they're on their own journey. And I wouldn't change my journey for the world because guess what? At the end of the day, it's also helping my health. I'm getting my body right. And I need to do that. And I wouldn't have discovered that had I not been on this like pregnancy journey. Right. So there are always silver linings. And I think that that can be true for on the flip side of another person's success. Let's say you're going for the same job within the company and someone else gets it over you. I do believe that, like you said, that person's success, you can find an outlier of like, okay, they have this quality and I don't have that. And they're going to be a strength to that team, which in result is going to make my team better or something along those lines, you know, or I have this strength and I want to feed that more into this area of the business. So let me wait for that part of the business to open up or something. There's always to me, something, a silver lining in that sense. But I think what you're aiming towards is why, like the first feeling being a genuine happiness kick of that's so exciting for them. Yeah. To answer your question, I have been in situations where people have beat me out and I think I would be upset about it if it was clear they didn't earn it. 
but I only ever, even if I'm not entirely sure of their competencies and background, I always assume that they have earned it, right? Because I, mm-hmm. I don't want to be working for a system that rewards people that don't earn what, you know, earn their, their benefits or earn their um, promotions. Yeah. So I want to, you know, make sure I'm, that's aligned, but even if, even if they haven't earned it, mm-hmm. I never feel like, oh, that sh- or okay. I never feel unhappy for them. Mm. Like I never feel in, instead I'll be like, oh, okay. That's interesting. That gives me information about the way that this operates. And, and I think part of it comes with me understanding the way people actually interact with their subconscious mm. selves, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're interacting with the way people look all the time and yeah, it's superficial, but the way people look still tells us information that we filter what with or without our consent. So the taller people are, you know, taller people are more successful. If you have a more symmetrical face, you're more successful. If you have youthful features as a woman, you're more successful, right? Like, but for me, that doesn't, I can't control the way I look. I mean, to a certain extent you can dress sharply, and put makeup on or do your hair or whatever. But at the end of the day, your looks that make you successful are going to go away and you better hope there's something left to stand on. And so I, I just spend all my time building myself up internally. And when someone beats me at something, I say, okay, there's more work to be done. Let's get it. And I don't, I always get a dopamine spritz whenever it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh another challenge. Mm. Like, ooh, I like ooh, that ooh. perspective. I don't know how, why I have it though. And this is why I'm I'm struggling with this topic is like, when I get old, am I going to be jealous of younger women because Mm. I'm not paying attention to that shadow part of myself? Mm. I don't know, but I've had, like, I have friends, especially because I'm, you know, I'm a librarian. I have friends who have jobs that I'm like, I I think that would be a nice job to have or a better fit for, for me than my current job. But I never in a million them having that job just makes me feel like, okay, I have to reinforce my connection with them. At some point they'll move up. I can use them as a recommendation, right? I only think of the possibilities that it will work for me. Mm. And that way, you know, selfishly, I can also still support them because it will also help me. But at the end of the day, they are acting out something that I value, right? Mm. Like being a career driven woman, is something that I really like building yourself up in more than just what you actually, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I do think that working hard and, and building yourself up career wise makes you better on the inside mm-hmm. or can at least. I so, struggle with that. Building yourself up on the inside. No, I just struggle with the drive to be a career woman versus what women are designed to do, right? Have babies, take care of babies and raise babies and all that. I've always loved my career, right? Like I think there are a lot of career women that they don't take the, they, they have babies, but then they have their husband take care of the babies and they go on with their career. 
And then some of those women I've talked to and they're like, I kind of regret it. I, re- mm-hmm. I, I wish I would have spent more time with my babies. And so I'm like, need to take that to heart because mm-hmm. I think a lot of women are designed or, or wired similarly in the sense that if you were to do a study of the women that chose their career over their family for younger years of their kids' lives, they would say they would, they regret it now. Those case studies that show why men make more than women. And there's a a point in a woman's, even, you know, high paid executives or lawyers, you know, women that are getting it at some point, they get to that point Yeah, where that was redundant. At some point they come (laughs) to a place where they are like, no, it's not worth it anymore. I need the work-life balance and I want to prioritize my, my family. And I, I think I'll get there maybe at some point. So I have to make room for that, yeah. but I'm not there at all. And I can't really see what that will look like for me because I do not want to be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. I think it there is a shift when you, I don't know. I, for me, it was a shift of when I was in my career long enough of like, well, I don't know where I exactly thought I'd be going. I I know I want to own my own company one day, but I don't know what it is and what, what it entails, but I think I could do that and have kids, but I need to get to a place where I have enough, enough of a background to be able to do that and enough money to back it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm just not there yet. I'm like, okay, that's okay. But I need then in the meantime, when thinking of starting a family, a company who will support me in starting a family, right? Not all companies are made the same in that sense Mm -hmm. and they don't all value that kind of stuff. And so I think subconsciously, maybe we all know what needs to happen or or that feels like, or looks like in terms of encouragement and we can feel it and it's a shift. Maybe I'm wrong, but I do think, I feel like as I've gotten older, priorities change. And Mm -hmm. as, as you come along, like getting married and having a job change and dreaming and all those different kinds of things, have brought me to this place of exactly what you said of just like, okay, what evaluating what that exactly is. And I mean, where I'm at in my career, I'm like, I could go so many different directions realistically. And I just don't know. I have, I have thought I'm like, I would love to be a stay at home mom, but here's the thing. It has to almost be the right conditions. And I don't think that we, how our relationship is set up for my husband and I, that we would be able to do that on the flip side, he's in school and working his way towards that. And so there is a point where we could potentially like change, right? Like shift depending on when it all happens. And so I just think as, as far as that whole piece goes of perspective and shifting those changes, um, it happens in your own time based on your circumstance. I really think, because if you think about it, like for you, you and your soon to be husband, 
um, he currently doesn't really have a lifestyle that would allow for him to be a supporting father in a, in a money sense, sure, monetization, absolutely. But in terms of time, that's not something that I, from my perspective, and you can correct me if you're, if I'm wrong and that's something you guys have talked about. Um, I'm sure you have, you and I've never discussed, so that would be interesting, but, um, he's gone a lot and that makes it really hard to picture being a mother when the father is sometimes gone for two solid weeks at a time or more, you know? Yeah. But I also, yeah, no, we're talking more internally. I have two questions that will bring us back to other people, you know, how we feel about other people, but yeah. To give you the information that you're looking for. You want to in this setting. So right now he's the primary breadwinner and that's fine. That's great. Um, But we are working. So he's going to keep working until I'm the primary breadwinner. And that's going to include things like getting my PhD and striving career wise. And then eventually he'll retire and we're going to just be old parents if we do have kids. But that's not like the main aim. Yeah. The main aim is to just kind of build a life together and live in a place that we want to live. And then Mm -hmm. at some, like have a lot of dogs and cats, or maybe just one or two cats, (laughs) but we want a lot of dogs. And, you know, at some point I think we'll, I I think within the decade, I'll get to that point where I'm like, okay, I, I want to make a kid before I can't anymore. Or I'm okay with adopting so we can delay it until I'm in a space where I want. Because right now it really is. It's more important for me. But he, we won't do it until we get to a spot where he can stay at home full time because I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, so yeah. two, one, one question to bring yeah. it back to other people, let's say. Um, you You have an ideal aim, right? And that can look, okay, I have to get to this point in my career and then I can have these benefits at this company. So then I can get pregnant and stay at home Mm. with the kid and, or my husband will do that, whatever the the aim is. And like you said, it can change, but let's say right now you meet a woman, same age as you with who's like accomplished your aim and is like uh, 10 steps ahead of you or whatever. What's your initial response? Man, how did how did they do it and why didn't I do it? Okay. The first part I think is good because how did they do it? You develop a relationship with that woman because she's forged a pathway forward, the same pathway. Maybe she took a different, you know, different route or whatever, but she's accomplishing something and she can show you how, and how is that not just like amazing? Right. It is. Well, I actually have a friend like that and she's younger than me and she is amazingly accomplished and she's made, she's like a networking queen and has just made her way through. And I, I'm, I stand in awe and amazement and I ask for advice and it's great advice for her. And then when I look at me and the advice, how it relates to me, I'm like, I can take nuggets and I can definitely utilize this advice But when I look at, say, human design, for example, I've talked about this many times before. I do believe that each person is created for certain things and to do things a certain way that matches their 
energy type, their overall being. And when we're not tapped into that, I do think that we're doing a disservice and it won't work out the way that it should. Not all the time. I think that there's definitely ebbs and flows of it all, but that way of being for her worked. It's not necessarily going to work for me. And I'll tell you like a little bit. The best example I can give is that for her, a lot of the things, it was like a domino effect. She did one thing and then multiple other things followed, which happens a lot in life, right? And they just kind of came to her. They came to her, they came to her. And her advice was network, get out there on Instagram, LinkedIn, not so much, all these things. And I think in the space that she's in, again, that works. She's in marketing. It makes sense. And I don't, I'm not discounting that. On my side, I'm very business side. I'm operations. A lot of the people I deal with, majority of them are men and they're not on, they're not on social media. If I'm looking at maybe health and wellness specifically, um, they're probably more likely to be on social media and things. Um, but operationally, right. Just across the board, if that's what I'm going for, or, you know, if I'm trying to start my own business in that space, that, that might not necessarily be the way to go about it. I agree with her that there are definitely plenty of ways to do outreach outside of LinkedIn. I can definitely improve in that way. Um, but a lot, and and I'm, I'm really rambling now at this point, but more so, I guess the point that I'm making is, I do fully believe that there are many ways to go about things and certain things, certain ways of doing things work out for certain people. She tapped into who she was and excelled. She figured it out and she went for it. It took me a little bit longer to figure out, but at the same time, I'm not in a bad place in life. Like I'm doing great. I'm a chief of staff at a, you know, very great company that's making awesome money. So I don't, I think that we're all our own worst enemy in the sense of when we look at someone else and think that they're higher achieving than we are, your basis for that is usually a couple of things, right? So it's money, it's how much you have, you know, materialistically, it's, you know, what, what else is in your life in, in relation to the people, right? So are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have dogs? Like, what is it, you know? And so, and where, like, I think that's another big thing for a lot of people. I know it is for us. And so I think that we all want the special sauce. So I want the answer. What's the formula to get there? And there, the answer is there's no one right formula. So as soon as we can all realize that really the only answer when someone gives you news is I'm so happy for you because trying to figure anything else out really isn't helpful because their formula isn't your formula is what I'm trying to say. And I don't know why, but my gut reaction instantly isn't always that I want to figure out how they did it. And I want to know their formula. And then I get to, you're right. There's no one right formula for everyone. I'm so happy for you. Like it takes me a second to get there. Like I have to tell myself that every single time. So there is a right formula when you accomplish things, right? Because obviously you've done the right formula to accomplish that thing. You just don't get to know it. Yeah. 
until you've done yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. But also, what I just mean one one right formula for the world. There is one right formula for you, but for everyone, all encompassing. I don't think there is. But that that is the key point: is that it's your job to figure that out and do the work required. Yes. So, yes. I think the the initial envy. Well, this friend you're talking about, it makes sense to me that you're like, oh, she's got her own thing going. She's successful in what she does, but I'm not aiming for that because your values are different. Yeah. I think, I'm assuming. So, but what if someone has the same values and the same aims, like both work, your colleagues or whatever on the same level, and then you both aim for something and, and she gets it? Well, I can take an example. It's actually one of your friends and she has a lot of the things that I want. And the first thing I feel is, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Tell me all about it. I want to know what it's like. I want to know how you got there. Like, I'm just, I think that's who I neatly am is that's how I show excitement is like, I want to poke and prod and like, tell me all the details. I want to figure out how to get there too. Um, And to me, if someone were to do that to me, that to me shows that that person cares and thinks and is happy for me. Like that's a sign of happiness for me as someone being an inquisitive of my lifestyle. Like that I, if, and if I can knowledge share on that aspect to me, that excites me. I'm like, let me, yes. Like, let me help you get there. I would love to. So maybe it's a perspective of like, maybe I am actually genuinely happy because that's how I feel people are also happy for me, you know? I have a moment. I have an idea. Oh my gosh. I think this is why social media sucks. Mm -hmm. So I know who you're talking about and I am very well acquainted with all the ins and outs of my friends' lives. And I'm, I think because of that, I'm oriented properly with the sucky parts of Mm. that. And it's like the guy with, with the horse, right? It's neither here nor there. We'll see. Yeah, because and in mm-hmm. you met you brought up an example about starting a new job and how it's amazing at first, and then all of a sudden you have a whole nother set of problems and burdens that come with that. And I think if you're oriented accurately, you just always see that. Like this person had to make all of these sacrifices for that, and I'm no, I'm not in a place right now ready to do that. And thank yeah. goodness the person that hired her or him noticed that. Right. right. Maybe hopefully as long as there's no like nefarious stuff going on. Um, well, I do feel like down the road, I always realize why it happened. And I always tell myself that I'm like, I know in the future, I'm going to figure out exactly why it's happening the way it's happening and I'm going to move on. Um, but we're old enough now to know that every situation will always be that. Yep. And it's our job to figure, configure our insides so that we can navigate every potential opportunity and loss, right? Every win, every loss and say, this is a net positive or this is a net negative. It's a net, If it's a net positive, maybe I just keep going, see if I can make it more positive. If it's a net negative, maybe I burn it off. And that's it. Like you're going to be old and wrinkly and you can't have, like you have really no no more potential once like the older you get the more potential you lose right and you can let that come after you and like suffocate you or you can say well no let me see how much I can reach for my insides right now and then 
and then see how long I can rest, you know, yeah. at the end of my life. And right. what I, do you I, think I is the breaking point? I mean, everyone's different. So like, you know, 50 is the middle, let's say you live to be a hundred, which a lot of people are doing nowadays. So 50 is the middle of your life. Brain wise, do you think cognitively that's the breaking point where we start to go downhill? It depends, but for like, if you're not doing drugs and you're eating properly and exercising and stuff, I think honestly, you, you reach your cognitive peak in your thirties and then like, I can't quite remember. Um, I can't, yeah, I can't quite remember. That's a good question. I do think that it starts to decline after 40, but like yeah. the decline is incremental, right? Right. You can kind of sustain at a plateau for a while, but you stop developing closer to 30, right? Your brain is fully grown, but you can still reinforce reinforce pathways and burn off other pathways in your mm-hmm. mind. You can still, you have neuroplasticity, right? But mm. your ability to adapt and change those things gets slower and less, I think, mm-hmm. as time goes on. And I think it is Maybe it plateaus around 40. I don't know. But definitely after 50, something weird happens, especially in the minds of women. I want to study 50 women in their 50s and 60s so bad because something happens in their minds. Well, I mean, it's definitely has something to do with menopause. You're removing that hormone of estrogen. Okay. But like, where's the panic from? panic there's like this panic this I need to be young I need to act young I need to look young I need to well when when people when women hit menopause they go nuts I I have a friend whose mother-in-law is going through it right now and it's very fascinating to hear her side of the story because I mean every woman experiences it differently yeah and I I do think that you have to admit a few things, (laughs) you know, you have to admit you're getting older. Like, and I think a lot of women don't, especially in this day and age and the time of Botox that we're not willing to admit that we are aging and we're getting older and hitting menopause and finishing menopause is the clear sign that you're old. Meaning, no, I think it all youth is gone. Youth, yeah. youth is your mate in the value. Yes, mate value has washed. <laughs> okay, hold on. Cognitive decline can begin as early as our forties, but typically becomes more noticeable in our sixties and seventies. Let's like, talk about men for a second. I just if they to. don't fully, aren't fully developed until thirty-six, are you telling me they've got four prime years? No, men develop, men have a fully developed brain the same time girls do. No, but I, you told me before, 36 is the time when they, I don't know, mature, not fully mature, better. I don't know. Look it up. <laughs> I told you that men fully mature at 36. Yes, somewhat, no, I don't, maybe I it wasn't not. you. It wasn't even mature. It was something of like, wait till they're 36. And I was like. Oh, yeah. So I think so. Okay. So this is just from me gathering anecdotal stories. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It's like very clear that they did not. And even some of them, they're in their forties and they're still children. So I don't, I I honestly with men, I don't know, but listen, I, I'm all about like be childlike, 
play around. It keeps me young. I take myself too seriously. I take life too seriously. I love the perspective. I think that certain things change men. I think if you were to do a study of men with kids and men without kids, they would, it would look two very different at the same age. So take 40 uh-huh. year old men with or without kids, they would, I think it would all look very different. I, I fully believe children change men almost more than. Oh women. yeah. Oh yeah. And there's actually a lot of research that's done about how boys and girls need their dads more and how superfluous the moms become after a certain time for their actual developmental progress into adulthood like dads are so necessary and I think that purpose for dads yeah you don't want a bum dad who's like not striving to work and stuff you want a dad that's going to set a good example so I'm not saying that like all men should stay home but I am saying that that developmental time with their kids there's a, there's good research on that. Um, right. The boy, I recommend reading the boy crisis. It was a very, very good book. Very sad about like what happens to boys and girls when their dads aren't present. Mm. Very sad. And, you know, I, I've firsthand experienced that, but my, my issues of like, not, you know, eventually not having a, a dad or a father, we're just kind of always an issue, right? It was like, okay, well, at some point, some dads just are way too bad <laughs> to like, they're like making it worse. You know what I mean? Um, but I will say that I could, as soon as my dad disappeared, what happened to my brothers was just insane. Like mm. not having that, even though he was kind of, even though he was definitely crazy, it was like, okay, at what point do we draw the line? And and it's funny, this, this researcher, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but The Boy Crisis is his book. And he, uh, yeah, I can't remember the name. It'll come to me. But he essentially started publishing research and like fudging the details about the, mm-hmm. the, the men themselves because the kids, even if the dads were horrible criminals, the kids still did better in those homes that were like bound together and had the, those dads even if the dads were like not that great something about a masculine presence is deeply embedded in our nervous system development yeah so fascinating yeah very let's do another topic on that okay yeah I I feel like okay this I'm gonna take a total side tangent here I read this thing this morning that was very off-putting about Christianity and what we believe in pregnancy and all of these things. And it was something about there, there was like this one thing about literally seven things. Christian women need to be wary of when pregnant. Okay. And I was like, excuse me. One of the first things was like astrology and tarot readings and (laughs) there, oh my gosh, there viewpoint on this was wild. It was like demons basically. And I was like, like this dark space. And like, basically what I feel like you're describing when it comes to men and masculinity is an energy. Like I really feel like just having the presence and that, and, and mm-hmm, the being, mm-hmm. whether they're good or bad, it comes down to energy. And to me, that stuff is all like astrology, tarot reading. It's a lot of energy and vibes and feelings. And to me, it's a tool. 
it's a tool that's got, that God has provided us. I really fully believe that. And I don't, and nowhere in the Bible does it say anything that this person was claiming. It really pissed me off actually, because I, I wanted to comment so bad and I have, I'm not that way. I was like, how dare you? I'm like, (laughs) I'm not speech, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. I was like, let me let it go. Someone already ranted on her about it. Like, let me let it go. She has to know that this is a very, very strong viewpoint and you're going to lose business for this. Are you sure it wasn't my dad? (laughs) (laughs) He makes the same points. (laughs) It's so wild to me. I'm like, nowhere in the Bible does it say that. Like they used the stars. Like, I don't know. Anyway, so I can, I'm sure there are some, you know, very studied viewpoints on a lot of this, but anyways, I, I, I think don't. that's who the wise men were, by the way. I think that, cause they, yes. they were the ones that studied the stars and yeah. that brought them to the birth of the ultimate sun. Right. And I totally agree. They're from the East. And that was a studied practice in the East. And I love that the Bible glorifies like, hey, we all needed to come together to like worship this ideal person. And, yeah. but you, you can all like, you use your tools to get to the major, right? And they used their stargazing tools and skills to get to the major, to like well, find the ideal. Yeah. Oh, I've totally... You just gave me chills because your connection is amazing. It's valid. I've always believed that literally all of our religions are all saying the same thing, but just purely based on culture. Well, the the Bible evolved on on the it stands on the shoulders of several mythological giants. Right. So it's informed by, gosh, I don't even know. I would have to study this further, but I know at least Mesopotamian myth, Egyptian myth, uh, Greek mythology is mixed in there, especially in the New Testament. Um, And then uh, I I don't know about the Eastern religions at all, but there's a whole mix of, you know, obviously Judaism evolved out of that and Islam evolved out of that as well. So well, I just think if you look at the foundation of it all, it's believing in a higher power. And if you look at cultures and how they align with what the higher power is, it makes sense. And it's all vantage points of different stories. It just goes into what we talked about last time is perspective. <clears throat> Everyone's perspective is different based on their background. Yeah. It's it's literally the, the, the logical vantage point of everyone just simply had a different perspective of this happening. And when God banished all of us, not banished all of us, but spread us all out based on languages and all these different tongues, like he wanted us to disperse and be with like people and be out there in the world and, and not be honed into one spot with the same story. He wanted us to be a plenty And so anyways, Mm -hmm. we could go down a long path and it's so interesting to me, but what I was aiming for was the fact that energies matter. Like, I think that there is a space and a time where God, I have like a frog in my throat. It's always the morning energies, there's a space and a time for specific ones. And I do believe that certain people have a different superpower where they can walk in a room and really feel an energy. But I do believe 
all humans, whether it's conscious or subconscious, react differently to certain things. And a feminine and masculine energy within a home, there's a purpose for it. Like we are designed to have both influences. And I do believe also that you find a partner that's a good yin and yang. Like you, you really complete each other in that way so that you can provide those things for your kids and people around you and for each other. Yeah, no, I think that the, well, we're reading more than that. The energy that we talk about quote unquote is the olfactory system filtering, you know, our sensory experience and our visual system filtering it and yeah. everything, like everything is going in and informing our nervous system pretty much directly, which then informs our subconscious. And we're not really aware, like all of this happens without our consent. So right. the masculine energy, I mean, walking, I used to, um, especially when I was real sensitive with like trauma treatment, I used to walk into something like a Buffalo Wild Wings during a, a game and the, the intense, aggressive, masculine, drunk energy would send me into a panic. And even just now I'm having to take a deep breath. Yeah. There was like something so, and I remember like forcing myself to face it anyways, which is good. Like, you know, absolutely no reason that you're not safe there. Although actually that's probably not. Yeah. (laughs) Like you, you have to be careful around certain masculine energies. That's for, that's for sure. But I will say this when I have had men turn aggressively towards me in public it's always like good women have stood up and stood behind me, yeah. but it's always good men that chase that guy off. So at the end of the day, like we really do need men to to chase off the bad men right? <laughs> because as many women, like we could have 10 women standing up yeah. and there's just something different about that energy. So yeah. yes, anyways, going I know. I to- this could take me into like the purpose part of it, but I know we need a full circle on our (laughs) genuine happiness. Well, I really, I don't think we got to the bottom of this and I think I'll, I'll continue to, to navigate because I'm, I am taking polls and asking people. And according to the person that I first talked to about it, like everyone's initial response when someone else has something that they want is envy. Mm. And mine is just not. Like it, it's just not. And I you feel think like it comes from you just not ha- like starting off life with not very much. And so you just oriented yourself in a way of like minimal is good. And I survived. Well, a, I think it will change. And this is why I'm trying to pay attention to it. I think okay. eventually I will have enough that it's like, oh, I want more. I want more. I want more, you know, and I see it, this person over here. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. But I do think it has something to do with how I was brought up because, and maybe it won't change. Maybe it's so deeply ingrained in me, but when when other people that are within my proximity succeed at something, I only see it as an opportunity Mm. and my happiness for them is also selfish. And like, I, I I'm trying to pay attention to my experience when I hear good news, even if it's, if, even if they're accomplishing something I don't value, like one of my friends just told me about, um, her, her new relationship style. And I am not that person, but I was uh, the way she was describing it to me and mm-hmm. what she's been able to accomplish through it. I was like, I'm actually genuinely happy for you. And it, it, 
everything you're saying makes sense. And if, if for some reason it can turn bad, everything can be bad or be good, whatever, then I'll be sad for you. But right now we're just happy about it, you know? And so even if it's not a shared value, um, at the end of the day, a, it's an opportunity for me to learn something B it's an opportunity maybe professionally or in other regards for me to gain something. Yeah. That's just how I feel about it. Right. Like when people get pregnant, I'm like, Oh my God, a new baby in my life. You know, like that's all I was like, so happy, especially if it's a little girl, you can get her like little clothes. And if it's a little boy, you can get him little clothes and like a ball (laughs) or something. (laughs) I don't know why I just use the same example. I love it though. But like a little girl, you can get her a little dress. I know. You can go to Target and actually have a reason to be in that aisle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's what my brain initially goes to. But then I'm yeah. like, is there something deep it's inside my shadow subconscious that I'm not paying attention to? I don't know. So that's why I'm trying to dig well, at first it. First of all, you're too hard on yourself. Like, I understand why you're doing it because you're a continual improvement kind of person, but like, let it, let it live, you know? But I also think that you are an outlier. I think that because you see it as something as in like an advantage or, you know, something that could pay off for you, right? Like we all kind of look towards ourselves in some way. Like, I think I just heard you say it, even though it's that person, you're happy for that person. We always then look to ourselves of like a new baby that I get to play with, or Hmm. how can they better serve my future in that new role? They're my network. That's exciting. And it's Mm -hmm. always us. We're, we're all from what I'm hearing from you is you're still happy, but you're also self-focused. And so there is a interesting perspective there of sometime it still becomes this selfish play. Um, and we've talked about selfish versus selfless and all those different things, but I don't necessarily think that that's bad either. Um, well, they're both selfish responses, right? But I, but think one that- is like, I, I get, maybe that's all you can do. Maybe I guess, I'm to trying be. to think of what the options are. Cause I, yeah. I don't think that there is a, I guess one right response, because if you think about how someone receives love, like being genuinely happy for someone is a way of showing love, right? Like you're showing them that you care about them, your love for them, and you're wanting to celebrate with them as a part of, of that showing of love. Right. So I do believe that there is in some way, shape or form going to be, if it's a close friend, one right way for, for you to react to their news for that person. Right. For me, God, if I'm pregnant and I tell you who knows, I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to dictate what it is, but I have so many different love languages of like, I'd probably just want you to come touch me and cuddle me of, let's, you know, revel in this and maybe cry a little together, but at the same time being realistic that that's not possible, but you know what I mean? Like the way that different people need to be celebrated, whether it's through words or questions of how do you feel? What are you, you know, what are you going to name it? You know, all these different things. I would never do that to you. Like, I would never be like, what's its name going to be right out the gate, you know, but like, and I think a lot of people are more sensitive to that nowadays, but 
some other people are like, ask all the questions. That's how I know that you're really interested and excited for me, you know? Yeah. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? It's like, I, I, for genuine, for the genuine side of things, I don't know if there is one right way to be genuinely happy for someone to show it and, and, and have someone feel it. According to everyone I've polled, okay. <laughs> the genuine and natural response is usually first envy. And then we've learned how to be happy. Like, and see, I, I still stand by that it's situational. Yeah. If you don't, va- so it's, let's say it's someone who's accomplished something you value and you want. So yeah. someone that gets something that you want and your first response is, why not me? That's the envy. Right. Right. But, but then yeah, we've trained ourselves to be responsive. And this is why I think it blew my mind that she said this. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, no people. Cause okay. Let me just tell you, it was in response to me saying, I think that women are not as jealous when someone like another woman succeeds if they've had a rough past and it's like clear that they've worked for that. You know, mm. I, I think that they don't that like that removes the jealousy piece. And I was talking about myself because I was like, yeah. I think that 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 is what sets me yeah. up better is that I have that maybe humility. I don't know what it is, but uh, humble origins, what it's called. And she yeah. was like, what makes you think that people aren't jealous at first? Right. And I was like, well, they don't act that way. And she's like, oh, no, no, they think it. <laughs> but the. Yeah, that's just how people are. That their first right. response is always, "Oh, damn," and then it's a, uh, "Oh, yay!" Yes. <laughs> well, and you're Blew right. My mind. Some people are just better at hiding their jealousy or envy. Too. Everyone apparently is to me. I, I really, I don't, I don't see evidence for people being jealous of me. But do you think that that's because your response for people is nine times out of ten not jealousy? Like you just expect that other people are just happy for you. You're conditioned because that's how your reaction is. No, like I- your po- your bubble has now been popped, so probably not as much. <laughs> but I just I can't. Maybe we maybe people have developed the skill so well to like snap into I'm happy for you. But I don't see the envy. I I think I'm pretty good at reading people's eyes, right? Right. And like the way that their face expresses what they're actually thinking. Not literally word for word, but like you can see those like transitions really quick. Usually. Give me an example of news you've shared with someone in person. In getting, getting engaged, I guess, maybe would be a most recent big news. But even then you hated all that attention. So maybe that's not a good one. I don't think anybody I told was jealous. I I honestly, like the only people I told in person were the people at work and maybe the over, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why the overreaction makes me feel uncomfortable <laughs> because I'm like, you don't know me that well. Why are you this happy for me? <laughs> But maybe that's why, maybe it is embedded in. Maybe. 
I don't know though. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, man, the woman at work couldn't stop talking about it. And the woman in my fiance's family were so, they just talked for so long about it and wanted to know everything. And I'm wondering if that is, they don't know me. How could they be excited that I- They know you're a fiance. Like- You know what the problem is with that one though, is that for them, it was all superficial. Oh, such a beautiful fiance, such a beautiful bride. Yes. So- I, I I struggle with some of that sometimes, like even when someone, someone shows me a picture of their kid, my first reaction is oh so cute, you know? And it's like, okay, I need another descriptor for a child because I mean, everyone wants to know that their kid is cute, but after so many, oh, so cute. It's like, are they smart? Are they handy? I don't know. Like, I I don't know why that's where my brain goes because a three-year-old can only be really cute and smart. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So I wonder if people are superficially reacting sometimes because they're maybe in a weird place. So if they come at it from, oh, it's so beautiful. What are you going to wear? Oh, my gosh. Or, you know, something like that when it, you know, let's say it's an engagement, something I think they don't know how else to react. So it's like a cover perhaps, um, if they are jealous, like when I think of if I were jealous in that scenario, you want to keep the conversation going to make that person feel special because that's the situation, but you don't know what it's like. Usually people that are jealous in those scenarios aren't engaged and they want to be right. So they don't know what it's like to be engaged. So they don't know how to talk to that person. So it's like, oh my gosh, let me see the ring. Oh, it's beautiful. When's the date? You know, like they keep going on down the line of like wedding scenarios when in reality, like when you get engaged, you're like, I've already been asked these questions five times. I really don't want to talk about this, you know? And so I just think that some people can be in a darker spot when they go down more like the vanity line instead of going like, how do you feel? You know, like this is kind of a lot, like, are you okay? You know, I'm checking on the person. Um, but I think that there's a lot out there as it relates to this topic, maybe more so when you're feeling stuck. So a lot of people I think can be in a spot of, gosh, I can't even feel happy for myself, let alone someone else. Like how, what are some good practices to get out of this rut? Um, So I found an article from the Shine app um, that has some really good tips. I think when we come to a kind of Gail and I's taglines, hers of doing the math and mine of stating the obvious, this would definitely fall in my realm of stating the obvious a little bit uh not just a little bit, a lot. So, but I do think that they are good reminders. So some good tips, step outside of yourself. So, you know, we talk about this all the time. It's basically looking at, looking at what's going on in your life to make you feel this way. Um, analyzing the situation that's, you know, not allowing you to be happy for others or even yourself, you know? Um, naming how you're feeling. So kind of like what Gail said earlier is I feel jealous when, 
this happens. So I feel jealous when everyone is proclaiming that they're pregnant and I'm not, you know, it's like, okay, well, why, you know, and like, do the digging, do the work. Like, I do believe that there is something to be said about recognizing that this could be a problem on Gail's, on your side, Gail, I feel like there's something to the effect of you're kind of doing the reverse. You're wanting to understand why you maybe don't have that in you of you, you feel happy for everyone every time. And is there something that you're missing in that? Yeah. Um, I'm more so worried that it's buried deep inside and it's going to emerge its ugly head if I'm not paying attention in the right. worst way. And I think that because you're so hyper aware that if, even if it does happen, like you'll be able to pin it down and move forward. When I come back to jealousy, I think it's pointing it out why you're feeling that way. And then also finding your reason for wanting to be that. Right. Um, okay. I think we, at one point we switched from talk from using the word envy to jealousy. Yeah, we can. And there are two different things, jealousy. Okay. So depending on who you ask, but Paul Crichton, I like his synopsis of like how envy and envy, envy <laughs> is the deeply rooted he he believes the root of all evil, like any bad deed is rooted in envy. And so he like does this whole trail from each of Hitler's actions and how it's rooted in envy. And it makes sense what he says, but jealousy is um, it. So envy is something for something that someone else has. And jealousy is something jealousy is for something you already have. Envy is for something that someone else has. Jealousy is for something that you already have. So jealousy is the fear of losing something. Like when you're jealous that your husband's talking to another woman, that makes you jealous because you already have him, but you might, you're afraid of losing him or his attention or, or whatever. And envy is desiring what other people have and it comes with resentment bitterness jealousy comes with insecurity and possessiveness and anger what do you think of that I just just quit I know right like there's they're different things it's like I knew that but I also didn't know that but I I don't think I don't think we're using them like that that's the definition so I don't know yeah no yeah wow So I think what I'm talking about is envy. Envious when someone can't wakes up and has this amazing morning routine, and I don't. I I think that's what you're referring to as well as envy. Yeah. Well, it leads into like identifying areas in your life that you want to improve. I think that that's essentially what it is. Is like this is all kind of like a step by step system of like look at it, look at why you're feeling this way. Um, congratulate others. Then even when it's tough, I think that's a lot of times Mm -hmm. what people innately are doing. They know that they need to do this, right? Like Mm -hmm. it is known in society that when someone else is celebrating something, you have to be happy for them. Right. I think of the friends episode, actually, even though it's kind of a little bit off, but they talk about how, so there's, six people, right? Three of them have really good jobs and are doing Mm -hmm. pretty well for themselves. And the other three 
they're not making much money. They're not as -hmm. well off, but they also in the same circle still. The three that make a lot of money are celebrating promotions and, um, big assignments and all these different things. And they go to nice restaurants because they can afford it. Mm -hmm. And then the three that are, you know, kind of not making that much money and all of that. They're like, what is next? Like, come on. Like they are then like, guys, no, we're not talking about this because it's not something like when someone is genuinely in a good spot, you're supposed to be genuinely happy for them. But we all take our own life circumstances into consideration and how we're reacting. And sometimes it overflows and you're like, I can't do this anymore. And they break. So Mm -hmm. the other three end up breaking and saying, listen, I don't know what it is going to be next, whether it's your birthday, a promotion or something, but we're always celebrating something at a really fancy restaurant and we can't afford it. And now again, it's like on a different note or on a different scale of affordability, but they stop in the celebration being happy. They stop their happiness to say, hold the phone. I can't afford to be here. So why am I here? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they don't want to disrupt the happiness and celebration, but at the end of the day, they also have to stick up for themselves. So there's, what do you think about that? There's just like such a different line there or such a different perspective of, of course they're happy for them, but do we need to celebrate every little thing with this grand gesture, you know? I think that that particular case, how I read it, I don't see that this is probably my deficiency because I don't, I wouldn't have an envious reaction naturally. So I don't necessarily read that scene, but what I read in the scene is you're my friends. You guys are my friends and you know, my financial situation. And just because you're elated and over the moon doesn't mean all of a sudden you forget about where your friends are at. Yeah. Right. And so for me, I feel like their response was completely accurate. Like, man, it really, especially because they split that dinner four or five ways. Cause right. They went out with Monica right. and they were celebrating her. And, and I remember Phoebe says, and Joey for his teeny tiny pizza. <laughs> and Rachel for her cold yeah. mush. Yeah. 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 And so I, I think that's completely valid. I don't, I I didn't read jealousy or, or sorry, envy in that at all. It was more like you guys have to be fair. Yes. I listen, I totally agree. You have to be fair, but I do think that there could be read some sort of envy of like, you have more than us. Right. Yeah. And I think again, it's perception in that instance of they all know each other. They're all friends. Like you said, they should know the situation and they should understand you know, I love Chandler because he goes into, okay, we can talk about Yeah, because it's awkward. It's, it's so awkward. awkward. Yeah. And it shouldn't be even because they're so close of friends, you know? Like, I feel like reaction is she'd be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, like, I didn't even think, you know, and like all that. But I, I do think that because we're human, I do think if that, that were a real life situation, that someone you can be as close as friends as you want because we're human say say the person getting the promotion their first reaction could be they're just envious of what i have they don't have what i have and they're not willing to celebrate with me like you almost get self-conscious of celebrating your successes when something like that is brought up 
Yeah. Even though that wasn't the intention of, you know, the three that don't make as much money. And trust me, I've been there. Like, I don't want to miss someone's birthday, but I literally have zero income and I'm literally just eating the chips and salsa at the Mexican restaurant. So sure shit. I'm not, I'm not splitting the bill. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And see, my response is always like, I wouldn't expect anyone that didn't like, I expect my friends to want what's best for me. Yeah. But that means to say, oh, good for you. You did this. That's a good thing. Right. And bad for you. You did this. That's a bad thing, yeah. right? Like you have to accept both. And so when people are over the moon and celebrating, like, that's why I don't want strangers at my wedding. Right. Like wh- why would, fear. why would you be invested? Yeah. That makes, that's so weird to me. <laughs> You're I'm not going to see you after this. It's, it's just weird. Like anyways, yeah. all that to say, that's just me. That's just always yeah. how I've been. And even for the people that are coming that I love dearly, I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want people yeah. celebrating me. I really don't think I've accomplished anything at my 50th. Yeah. You can pat me on the back and say, good work. Well, <laughs> like, I do. You made think, it. <laughs> I do think what this all comes back to, I totally agree with you. I, I 100% agree with you, but I think what it does come back to really is checking yourself. If you are having a reaction of envy every time someone else has success in some way, shape or form, got to check it out because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's something you can control. And the other person that's celebrating shouldn't worry. No one who's trying to celebrate something should not have to worry about their friends acting jealous. That's not a worry I have when I Immolated. Now, a lot of people out there are becoming more and more sensitive of celebrating their pregnancies because other women are having harder times. I don't, mm-hmm. I think that's a bunch of bullshit and you shouldn't. It's on the person that's trying to get pregnant and having a hard time to control their reactions and understand, hey, maybe I just shouldn't be on social media right now while everyone's celebrating this stuff or whatever. Like you control what you see or get yourself right. Yeah. Get yourself right. Absolutely. There was a time where that didn't sit well with me. And then now it it feels a lot better because listen, I mourned. I had this whole period of like, if this isn't for me, that's okay. And I'm on the other side of it. Yeah. And also if you, if you aren't happy for those people, then what's the purpose? Like what purpose are they bringing to your life? Yeah. Right. Like if they're strangers or people you don't really talk to anymore. Well, it's funny. I have definitely some of those strangers still lingering that are, you know, whether that be from high school or whatever, still on Facebook, I think more so, or, oh my gosh, back in sorority life, you had to friend every single newbie. And I don't even know half of them that are on my Facebook these days, but it feels yeah. sometimes because I'm not on face. I literally am on Facebook for like Facebook marketplace. So I like do a couple scrolls and see some things. And then I go to Facebook marketplace. So it's funny to think that those people are still there, even though I don't know them. That's I, it feels more awkward to like unfollow them on Facebook for some reason, even though I unfollow people all the time on Instagram. I don't know what that is. I have no idea. Anyways, side tangent again. crazy. That is crazy to me. I know. Who cares? I know who cares. I don't <laughs> care. I literally genuinely do not care. It's... You care. You just no, I don't. You, care. you just said that you think it's awkward. If you didn't care, you would unfollow no. the problem. Well, you're right. I don't like being, I don't like making people feel weird or awkward usually, but. So you do care. 
I, yeah, I'm caring about their feelings. What? They're like the audacity if someone were to be hurt by you unfollowing them. I mean, really? That that is audacious. I don't know. I don't know why I haven't taken the time. Probably because I just am not on Facebook. Obviously, I am more than I think. That's another argument. It's like, who has the time? Yeah. Who who has the time? That makes sense to me. But like, if you just aren't doing it because you're scared of how it'll make them feel like no that's the only reason I think I've thought of it before and I'm like is it awkward to unfollow someone on Facebook I don't know the back-end experience and then I'm like I don't really have the time to figure out who I know and who I don't there's so many now people who have their maiden name isn't on Facebook anymore so I'm like Megan who and I'm like I probably know her but she has a new name so you know or whatever you know so I think you want me to unfollow you see how it feels no, sure. I don't post anything on Facebook, so go for it. No, you just asked. I don't know what the end, like the end use of oh, that is. Oh, the end use. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what it's like to experience being unfollowed. And I was like, well, we well, can. Well, I guess on Facebook. I don't know if it notifies you on Facebook. Probably not because it doesn't notify you on Instagram. Anyways, side tangent, silly, silliness. But I, I, I do think that congratulating others, even when it's difficult, is a good practice and you figure out why it's difficult in the background behind the scenes. Um, yep. Yeah. I think gratitude secure. Yes. Okay. So I always thought it was a bunch of bullshit gratitude. I'm like, how can I fake gratitude? Not fake gratitude, but like when you're down and low and you're like, I'm thankful for my home, a roof over my head for something to eat for my dogs, for, for this, for that. It's wild because you're like, yeah, yeah, uh, duh, I'm thankful for those. But when you like actually say them out loud or just like think them in your brain, it's wild what that practice can do. I, I literally thought it was a bunch of bullshit. And then I actually tried it on my morning walks and it just puts you in a different space. Okay. I feel like we can definitely wrap this up, but not really because there's so much more on this topic. So yeah. Oh, I feel you. like I want to pick at your brain more. I need to come with more questions for your brain because I feel like a lot of people need to think more like you. No, uh, I, I think there's something hidden and it's going to come out and it's, it's really scary. It's like this impending <laughs> nightmare that I've. Oh yeah. no. But I, I do want to pick at it because I think that's how you find it. Right. Totally. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. It's all a journey. Yeah. It was all a dream. Okay. Au revoir for now. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. Find us on Instagram, The Genuine Gals. Our website is thegenuinegals.com. We'd love to hear from you guys on, on what you think and honestly, what else you'd like to hear us talk about. So we'll catch you next week.